Welcome to The Scoop, brought to you by Indeed, your weekly dose of internal talent news from here and around the globe. So grab your popcorn and open your mind as I hand you over to our anchors from Tarpod, Lauren Sharp and Craig Watson. Hi, everyone. Welcome to The Scoop. I'm Craig. And I'm Lauren. You're Ron Burgundy and Veronica Corningstone of TA News, people. And what a week in TA News. Do you want me to just kick straight into it? Oh, fuck yeah. Go for it. All right. From Maury Hannigan, and if you don't know her, follow her on all the socials, the dehumanisation of employee recruiting, navigating automated processes and AI. Lauren, I know we talk about AI a lot, but this is one that you'll probably agree with. Um, Maury says that the role of AI and automation has become obviously increasingly prominent in recruiting. Every podcast, webinar, conference, everything you go to is talking about AI at the moment. And she says, while there are promises to improve efficiency and streamline processes, they are going to, if not already, lead to a dehumanization of the recruitment process. Mm. So she goes on to say that candidates often find themselves interacting with bots yep. and automated impersonal systems, um, struggling to establish a genuine connection, and that dropout rates in the process will definitely go through the roof and it'll increase things like disengagement and ghosting. What do you think? Well, uh, I sort of agree, actually, because I picked up on an article that's very close to that in the Washington Post this week. Oh, really? Yes. So, candidates try an old hack to get around AI. Now, I had to have a bit of a bloody giggle about this one because I remember people using this hack. So, AI-powered resume screening is making life difficult for many job seekers. So, they're looking for ways to get around it. Mm -hmm. So, about 42% of large employers using AI hiring support um, reported that candidates can virtually uh, a virtually interview or be pre-screened with artificial intelligence um, on their hiring platforms. So um, it's all about the language processing, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. So this old hack's coming back. White writing. Remember you? Yes. Oh, my God. Now, okay, those in the know who've been around the traps for a while will know what this is. Those who don't. What we used to do back in the mm-hmm. day to get around Seek's algorithm of pushing you down to the bottom of the list and everything as your ads got old, we used to put all this writing in the stuff of keywords and stuff and it was all in white writing on white. So people couldn't see it and they couldn't pick it up. But AI can pick this up. So people are mounting a mountain of keywords in white writing so that they're wow. getting through the AI process. With their resumes. Um, yeah, with their resumes. Um, so many Americans don't like the use of AI in either reviewing job applications or making final hiring de- decisions according to Pew Re- Pew Research, which came out in the Washington Post. And many candidates are taking advantage of a, a new hack called white fonting but we always used to just call it white writing yeah. in an effort to get around these systems. So the white fonting candidates copy a list of position irrelevant keywords or the job description itself and paste it into their resume. Um, they then make that section in white font and then um, it can't be read by the human eye, but the algorithm's picking it up. Smart. I say Fucking there smart. should be more of it. More I of agree. It. Hey, Lauren, last week on um, The Scoop, you tipped me into this New fandangled social media called TikTok. (laughs) (laughs) And I've I've found like the probably bullshit story of the year maybe out of TikTok. A tech worker hails herself a genius after coming up with a brilliant interview answer that she says will help you to win over 
any potential employer. Oh, great. Now that everyone knows about it, it's really good. I work. know. So she went out on TikTok and she was said that she's, she'd lost out in 11 roles this year and within two weeks she landed so many interviews that um, that she didn't know what to do. So the Boston-based tech salesperson declared she had a stroke of genius at the top of one meeting in responding to the boilerplate interview prompt, tell me about yourself. Oh, far out. What are we, 1985? Okay. So she said she normally starts with an introduction and I'm like, hi, I'm Liz, born and raised in Southern California. I moved to Boston, blah, 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 blah. And then I go kind of one-on-one through the company as I've worked on. And she said, and because I've job hopped a lot, it felt like it left doors open for conversations I didn't want to have. So she did something new and now she calls herself a genius. She said, get this, this apparently is the biggest hack ever in the history of interviews. Let me guess, it's like white fonting, this new hack. (laughs) No, I'm happy to share anything about myself during this interview though, but I do want to know what are you most interested in learning about me? Oh, for fuck's sake, get yourself. Get a fucking hobby. Yeah, (laughs) I I can't even talk about it anymore. Go. All right, okay. (laughs) I tell you, us Gen Xers are going to go mental and kill someone one day. (laughs) Old and grumpy, I am. Anyway. Headline in HRD uh, today, well, this week, was almost all Australian businesses have mandatory return to office policies, but one in three are losing staff because of this mandate, Ooh. according to a survey. One in okay. three. So nearly nine in ten Australian businesses have implemented mandatory return to work policies, with a majority of them requiring staff four days a week. Uh, among the survey, 300 hiring managers uh, special, it was all interviewed by Robert Half, okay, uh, found 87% were mandating staff to come back to the office. Uh, the numbers that of days required, 19% were saying five days, 28% four, 26 three, 12 two, and one day was 2%. So um, that's interesting. 30% interesting. of people are pissing off if you say come back to the office. Well, <laughs> If the majority of your companies are going to get there, hybrid's the way forward. I think you've got to offer that flexibility yeah. moving forward because people are used to it now. I think the 100% mm. remote role in Australia is going to be a hard one to do. Yep, I, uh, I agree. I feel for those people who have packed up, left the city during the COVID years and decided to have the tree change and yeah. now we're going to have to commute, commute 150 <laughs> kilometres into commute. the city. I hope you've got a nice podcast to listen to on the way in. Yeah, I, I totally agree. You want to be listening to those podcasts. But anyway, yeah. what about you? Okay, Lauren, this one's from our friends at Indeed. Diversity, equity, inclusion and belonging in the workplace. According to global hiring platform Indeed's latest DEIB report, mm-hmm. championing change, progress and opportunities for building inclusive workplaces, when comparing organisational priorities, diversity and equity and belonging initiatives are second to last with employee mental health and well-being growing the company and cost-saving measures topping the list. So I guess the feedback from this and, and looking at it from Indeed's perspective is that they find it really interesting that um, DE and DEIB mm-hmm. is not in the same bucket or a similar bucket to mental health and well-being and that it's seen as a second lowest priority Diversity and inclusion is second lowest priority internally in businesses, whereas mental health well-being um, for employees is seen as one of the highest. Wow. 
I think it affects my mental health if I'm not getting paid the same as a man. Yeah, so it's it's really <laughs> interesting. Look, we did we did Seriously, in please. episode 240 of Tarpod, we did cover this in depth with Indeed. Um, so go back and listen to that if you didn't. That was back in July 20th. Yeah. Um, but also we'll put the report in the show notes here, which will be really good. Well, that's a good idea. Mm. Have a read of that, everyone. Give us your feedback. Tell us what you think. Exactly. But sticking with the DNI theme as well, uh, this is about freaking time. Again, HR Director Magazine uh, this week. New Zealand government commits to pay gap reporting system for organisations. So Jan Tanetti, the Minister for Women over in New Zealand, okay, has uh, basically said what's going to happen is we need to ensure we're staying in line with international standards. So Mm. large organisations in New Zealand will be required to report their gender pay gap as the Labor government commits to launching a pay gap reporting system for organisations. I think our friend Natalie Flynn over at Equity better jump onto this one and give Jan a bit of a call. So initially the legislation is going to apply to businesses with 250 plus employees, which is around 900 companies in New Zealand. after four years, it'll apply to businesses with over 100. So they're going to, over that four-year period, end up on the same line as Australia and um, in Canada and the UK, actually. So that's actually a really good idea. So the pay gap reporting in those countries already has it at 100. So New Zealand, they're coming up to the party. Well done. <laughs> Fantastic. Hey, we've had a great story that's been over all the news oh, outlets over the last week. I was in stitches when you were reading this to me. Yeah, and um, and I got this from, of all places, the Daily Mail. <laughs> <laughs> but we'll go there. Some quality <laughs> journalism, so, journalism yeah. there, peeps. Check your sources. Check your sources. <laughs> um, Susan Checo, working from home employee accused of being a bludger by her boss who tracked her keystrokes, issues a dire warning for all oh. Aussie workers as experts break down exactly Exactly how staff tracking software works. So working from home employee was sacked after they checked her keystrokes and she basically did sweet fuck all for a long period of time. Well, wasn't it like how many days? I can't remember because every every article I read is slightly different. Um, but it was there was basically a, zero nothing, nothing was recorded. For three weeks straight. Yeah, but she was maybe having a lie-in. Anyhow, Susie, she was she was fired from her role as communications disclosure consultant at IAG, where she had worked for 18 years. So she'd been there a long time. Her sacking sparked a debate over workers' rights and use of tracking software this week in the Fair Work Commission has rejected her unfair dismissal claim. So she Man, went, I remember one of the most, it was 116, I think it was around that, um, hours or something that she had not touched her keyboard. <laughs> That's okay, 40 hour week people, add that up. That's nearly 3 weeks straight of working that she hasn't touched her freaking keyboard. She's a communications officer <laughs> working from home. <laughs> I'm telling you now, she's done <laughs> shit nothing. In her defense, she said there's a lot of work she does that she doesn't have to press a key Really? And what's that? I don't know. I don't know. But look, it does open up a can of worms. Because even a Zoom meeting, you're on your goddamn laptop. <laughs> but I mean, even if she could have just been checking Facebook and Alista would have done keystrokes, she could have done something on her computer. Oh my God. Honestly, she didn't even take it. She d- didn't even wipe the dust off that thing for three weeks. She didn't move from the side of the pool except to signal the waiter to send her over another. Um, Holy hell. So, look, she's not doing the work from home and all of those nice hybrid models any favours when people like that are taking the piss. You're very, very, very true. But the other thing that opens is what 
um, how much scope do we give employers to check people? Is it how, where do we cross over well, the line? If they to are brother? in the goddamn laptop. They can do whatever the freak they want. Sure, I guess you're right. I guess you're right. Move if along. It's their laptop. They own it. They can put their software on it. You're right. Go and on, if then. you're working from home eight hours a day, boom, you got to be on that laptop eight hours a day. Or not working, as the case may well, be. Yeah, that's a lot of laundry. <laughs> okay. I'm drawing this one. I had a rant yesterday on LinkedIn about this. Craig is at You brought out all the crazies. <laughs> Apparently I have all the crazies. So this headline's out of the ABC. Anthony Albanese has been dropping hints but could the the Matildas World Cup win mean a public holiday for Australians is yeah. the big question. No. It's a fat fucking no, mate. Oh. Yeah, find a button for that. Thank you. <laughs> Okay, I'm going to throw – I know everyone loves a good public holiday. I am absolutely Mm. fed up and sick of government, state and federal, just lambasting these ridiculous public holidays and all you do is cripple businesses, okay? Okay, among (laughs) the so-called celebrating of the question has emerged, if the Matildas win, will we get a public holiday? Yes. And here's what we know so far. The PM and the New South Wales Premier are behind it. For weeks, Albanese has been hyping up the possibility of a a public holiday for the Matildas win. Mm. And speaking to the ABC last week, he even said that while it's ultimately up to the states and territories, he will be personally pushing for it. That is absolute bloody bullshit. What about our Netball World Cup? Where's our public holiday? Where's that retaining the ashes? Where's our public holiday? If we gave a sporting event a public holiday every time we freaking won it, that would be just – we'd never freaking go to work. Yep. And the cost to business. Uh, I know what you're saying, but I see this as a one-off. And I see no. this as the betterment of gender equality in sport too. This is this – is Public holiday has got nothing to do with fucking gender equality in sport. It's to celebrate. We can celebrate, but do it on your own time, not on work's yeah. time, well, because that is going to cost a small business. We're just shutting their doors at the moment. We're under economic hardship. People are being made redundant. Uh, you throw a public holiday, if you're a small business with 15 people, that's three weeks of wages that you're paying out the door. Anyone who sacks someone for not turning up to work that day yeah, is a bum. good on you, Bob Hawke. <laughs> I just – no, I'm taking the day off. I don't care. Well, you can do whatever the freak you want. You work for yourself and have no employees. Uh, well, we'll have to just agree to disagree. No, nah, I'm sick of Because you know what? Victoria's on the verge of bankruptcy oh, because of Dan. That's crap. Well, that's my opinion. He's not doing a great job, but we're not oh, going to bankrupt. Oh, he's done a terrible job, the amount of taxes he's implementing. But, again, why do we have a day off for the grand final on a Friday? That costs businesses so much money. It's, it's a waste of Money. There's a parade. Who gives a shit? Oh, a lot of people. Or what? The 200 people that turn up? All sports-loving fans across the world love a good sports holiday. Bite me. Well, like I said, we just have to disagree. Well, we're going to disagree on that one. Maybe people um, can... Put comments I want or vote. There. Go the Matildas. We should get out there. That'd be amazing for women's sport. Amazing for women. But we don't need a public holiday for it. I do. I definitely do. Yeah, well, you can go get stuffed. <laughs> anyway, it's a goodbye from me. And a goodbye from me. We'll see you next week. Stay classy, all the room. And <laughs> gargle. And spits and swallows. <laughs> 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 We're like 12 year old boys with our jokes some days, aren't we? <laughs> 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 that was evil. <laughs>
<clears throat> fuck, I'm in a mood today. Anyway, let's go. <laughs> 